is the Big Church Podcast. You can be seated. And today I have the honor and the privilege to introduce to you our speaker that you already know. Because she has been your worship leader for the last year and a half or so. But today she's stepping into a new level and a new calling. And um, she's going to be speaking to you today with authority. You know, when we were learning to be preachers, she's going to be preaching from a place that God has brought her. But you know her as worship leader Ashley Durrett. And she came to Big Church a couple of years ago. And her story encourages me all the time and challenges me every Sunday morning that she showed up alone, walked out with a friend, and I chased her down and said, I'm so glad you came to big church today. Please be aware of the new people around you because you never know what God has for them in the next season. Would you get off your seat and on your feet and honor the woman of God, Ashley Durrett. goodness let me just get settled here this is very new for me how are you guys doing good oh my goodness this is different them lights they're no joke usually I can only see the front row in worship but now I can see all your faces love that um well first um I just want to take a moment and thank our pastors um they just lead with so much authority and confidence. And I'm thankful that they have allowed me to speak today. Um, But not only that, they just, they listen and they teach so well and they are so compassionate. And big church, like this is not normal. This is not a normal church. Like I've been to a lot of churches, but this church is the most welcoming church I've ever been to. So let's just really honor our pastors for a moment here. Let's just honor them. Amen. Y'all, hasn't this sermon series been amazing? I am so honored, so honored and excited to be speaking this morning. My hope is to shine a light on a pretty hush topic on the Capital C Church. Um, But first, I want to ask this question that plagued me for years. And the question is this. If the Bible says that I have freedom, then why am I bound by anxiety? Asking for a friend. Y'all mind if I pray? I was going to anyways, because I need it, but Um, Holy Spirit, you're already here. You're already moving. God, I just pray that you soften hearts that need to be softened, that you position hearts that need to be um, directed towards you, God. Would you just speak through me, God? Let none of my words be mine. Let them be yours, God, and I pray that you just get all the glory today. Whatever happens, God, I pray that you get all the glory. I pray that there's freedom today in this house, God. Would you just come? Amen. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and start off because I have a lot, um, and I'm really excited. So I have three points for you today. Um, The first one, the first point I have is your pride is at the center of your anxiety. 
First three minutes, she's stepping on some toes. Here we go. Um, if y'all have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Peter 5, uh, chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. Um, and it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. That's good. <laughs> That's real good. All right, well, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That's the part we know, right? That's the part that is said in passing a lot. That's the part that I see on phone backgrounds. Probably one of the most Googled Bible verses ever. But real talk, if we're only using this one verse as a cure-all for anxiety, as a one-and-done for anxiety, then you are fully taking this verse out of context. Casting your anxiety on him because he cares for you is not the command. It's the result of the command in the verse prior. This is the command. Are you guys ready? Cool. Humble yourselves. <laughs> Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, because you can't cast your anxieties and keep your pride. You cannot cast your anxieties and keep your pride. To cast something, you have to be able to open up your hands at the moment of release. But you can't release anxiety if you're clutching onto your pride. You can't do both. You have to humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So I pose this question to you. Does the hand of God reign over every single part of your life? Your job, your relationships, your family, your social media, hey? Does it reign over who you are when no one's looking? And you know, when we hear the word pride, in perspective of us, we kind of like get defensive, we get offended. But some, sometimes when we think pride, we, we automatically think arrogance, right? What if I said that there was another side to pride? It's called a false sense of pride. And when you have a false sense of pride, I'll tell you right now, this kind of pride, this is where anxiety, depression, this is where it's rooted at. But when you have that kind of pride, it's kind of having the perspective of like, well, my troubles are just too big for you. Or, you know, like I just really, I thought about it, I really don't wanna burden you with my mess. Have any of you guys been there? Cool. Let me tell you why this is so dangerous. Hey, God, thanks for everything. But I've really assessed all my problems, and I just, I just don't think that the cross can cover that. I don't, I don't think that that infinite grace that you pour out on us, man, I just really don't think that that extends to me. Does that make sense? Cool. Love that. Mm. Have you guys ever felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to like go strike up a conversation with someone you don't know or someone you don't normally talk to? Have you ever ignored it? All right. Well, I remember a time when 
that happened to me. And I was a freshman in college and I lived on campus. And I remember praying these big and audacious prayers. And now hear me, hear my heart. There's nothing wrong with, pay, with praying those kinds of prayers. Nothing wrong. That's awesome. But my heart at the time, not so much. My character could not sustain the prayers or the result of the prayers. Now, this was about six or seven years ago. So I was in like that naive college freshman, like super spiritual, but not really mindset. And these prayers would kind of be like, hold on, I kind of have to like get in that mindset, like take me back six or seven years. Okay, I'm ready. So this is what it sounded like. God, would you just make me a catalyst for change? God, would you just search and cleanse my heart? It's a dangerous one. God, would you just use me? Now I'm gonna stop right there on that one um, because this really needs to be said. Um, We have got to stop asking God to use us and then get mad at the church for asking us to serve, okay? All right, that one was free. All right, back to, back to where I was. God, would you just use me? God, would you just put a revival on this campus? Mm. And then I kind of imagine God being like, oh, Ashley. Okay. Okay. I want you to go say hi to that person right over there, just sitting by themselves. Me? You didn't want that Christian to do it? Okay, well, now you just stressed me out because I'm not prepared. I can't do this. What if I mess up? What are they going to think of me? Are you getting my point? It's all about me now. We have got to stop allowing our fear to put a limit on our obedience to Christ. Cool. So what can we do? We need to follow the command. Like I said before, casting your anxieties on him is a result of the command, which is to humble yourselves. And notice how it says, humble yourselves. Because I promise you, unless you enjoy learning the hard way, you don't want to be in a position where God needs to step in and humble you. God wants you to do it yourself. My second point is this. Making your thoughts obedient to Christ. How many of you have ever felt guilty for some of the thoughts that pop into your head? Every single one of y'all should have your hands up. Yeah. Okay, sometimes I'm having thoughts out here like, am I even saved? But I have good news for you. And you can take just a breath out of relief. You're not responsible for any of the thoughts that come into your mind. But you are responsible for taking your thoughts captive. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians to take every thought captive because the battle for sin always starts in the mind. So it's crucial to know how to protect it. Where are my practical people at? Would I me too? Yes, my people, okay? We love a good SOP. Yes, we do. 
We love a good SOP. System of processes, Pastor Rich. <laughs> I live for a good step-by-step process, okay? So I'm going to walk everyone through what it looks like to take your thoughts captive and where to go from there. I have three steps for you. Write them down if you need to. This is inner healing 101. Step one, identify where it came from. Step two, renounce the lie. Step three, replace the lie with the truth. And just to be vulnerable with you guys, the enemy, he came from my mind at a very young age. My struggle with anxiety started when I was seven years old, when I experienced something that shook the foundation of my worth. I started having suicidal thoughts at 10. At 14, I was having panic attacks in secret because I didn't want to burden anyone and because I couldn't explain it. I didn't know what was going on. I fully and wholeheartedly believed that I had no worth. And this all started with one thought, the thought that I was worthless. And this is where step one comes in, where to come from. Well, I think we know that the thought of worthlessness isn't from God, simply from that. God wouldn't go through the trouble of the cross if we were worthless. This thought is straight from the enemy. Step two, renounce it. This thought is not God's heart for me, and I'm no longer partnering with this lie. Now, I can say this and not feel bad about it. Um, This is not one of those times where you're like, I'm just going to pray that in my head. No, don't do that. Say it out loud with confidence and with authority. You have to do that. Like I was that person in college. I was, anyone asked me to pray out loud, my hands would get clammy. I'm out, I'm down for the count. I can't do it, I'm just gonna pray in my head. You have to say it out loud. This thought is not God's heart for me and I'm no longer partnering with this lie. Step three, we need to replace the lie with the truth. This is the most important part. I cannot stress that enough. If you don't seek the truth, the negative thought can easily make its way back into your mind. Y'all know the Enneagram, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, well, I'm a five. Uh, The five is the investigator, okay? Very introspective, very introverted. Um, We love structure, hey. Uh, We also love a bit of a challenge, yeah. but do you guys want to know what, how like an unhealthy five processes thoughts? It's a trick question. We don't. We don't. We press them down uh, and we avoid them until it's I'm alone at 4 a.m. And that thought can sneak its way back up and kill my joy. That's what I do when I'm unhealthy. All those thoughts that you press down without identifying the truth, those thoughts that you aren't worthy, that you should just give up, you press it down and you compact it so much that it gets rooted. If these thoughts were never addressed, well, now they're not just thoughts. It's your belief system now. And what you believe in your mind will always overflow into your actions. If you have a thought that you're worthless, then you believe that you're worthless and then you act out of a place of worthlessness. And then 
you end up waking up in the middle of the night in cold sweats, your limbs are numb, you're fighting for your next breath in the fetal position, feeling like you're dying. That's what my thoughts did to me. That's what my panic did to me. They blinded me so much that the truth was difficult for me to find. So let's find the truth. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works in which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That we are his masterpiece created for good. And God would not command something of you if he hasn't empowered you and built you for the task. So if this is the truth, then let's replace the lie. You have every right and every authority to do so. Did you know that every word God spoke over Jesus, every right and every authority he gave to Jesus, he also gave to all of you. The only difference is is that Jesus never doubted it. So if the enemy is feeding you lies, that you're worthless, that you're unqualified, that you're not equipped, that you should just give up, reminding you constantly of your past, you have every right and every authority to turn around and remind him of the one who holds your future. Replace the lie with the truth and the truth will. Amen. All right, my third point. Your pain will be your prison or your platform. And I'm gonna read from Mark 5, verse 25 through 34. Yeah. All right. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said, no, I love this because I love it when the Lord just throws some comedy in these gospels. How about you? Um, And this is how I imagine that the disciples asked this question. So you see this crowd pressing around you. And yet you ask, who touched me? And he looked, he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Isn't that crazy? That's amazing. That's a miracle. Let's clap. Honestly, that is so crazy. That's one of my favorite passages in the Bible, okay? There are so many things to point out, but let's start with the fact that her condition became her identity. She wasn't named in the Bible. She was literally known as the woman with the issue of blood. Another thing is that her condition left her cut off from society. So like in this culture, she was considered ceremoniously unclean. And when you're considered ceremoniously unclean, if you were to touch someone else, now that person is considered ceremoniously unclean. 
So she was unable to have relationships with anyone. Her loved ones, no, no one. She was alone. Her condition also left her without security and resources. She spent everything she had, everything. She had nothing left. Now I want you to picture this woman. Now this woman was just a part of the crowd. You couldn't pick her out. She blended in, but she was dying on the inside. Can any of you relate to that? Have any of you sat in that chair that you're sitting in right now, and from the outside looking in, you're prospering, okay? Having the time of your life, surrounded by people, cracking jokes, but you're dying on the inside, feeling like you have to hide your anxiety. Are you sitting in your chair right now, feeling this way, feeling alone and bleeding out? Well, you're not alone. And just like this woman, one touch from Jesus can change the game for you. I went through this season around December through, this past December through February, where I woke up anxious and went to bed anxious, granted that I was able to sleep. And every time I looked at this platform, I felt panic. This happened this year. (laughs) Every time I looked at this platform, I felt panic, but I still had to lead through it. And I remember during this, during that time, um, I woke up, I think it was, it was definitely a Saturday because it was right before church, which is on Sunday. Congratulations, Ashley. Um, (laughs) All right. So I woke up, it was like Saturday night, probably around actually like 2 a.m. And I could feel this weight on my chest. I could feel myself about to go into a panic attack. I knew it. What? This girl is our worship pastor, and she had a panic attack? Crazy. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And I knew that night. I knew that the devil wanted to kill, steal, and destroy my worship. And I was ready to fight him. When I came out of that season, something shifted in my worship because I knew that now worship was specifically under attack. And not just mine, but the enemy will do whatever he can do to kill your worship too. So every time I come up here now, I have to take ground. My worship has to turn into warring. I don't worship the way I do because I feel everything all the time. I worship like this because number one, I believe the Bible tells me to. Number two... Because sometimes anxiety is a little sticky. And you just got to shake it off a little bit. And I know that sounds goofy, but it's me telling my mind, my body, my soul to fully get in line with what God is doing in this house. Something in my worship had to change. And something for this woman had to change. You can feel her desperation when you read the scripture. You can feel it. And like the Bible said, she tried everything. Everything except for Jesus. So she follows Jesus. And when you're following Jesus, it puts you in a position for a miracle. For the first time in 12 years, 
She took her eyes off of her own situation, out of her own prison and onto Jesus. This woman reached out and touched his robe. She didn't even touch him, y'all. She touched the stitchings in his robe and she knew that she would be healed and she was. Jesus healed her in front of an entire crowd of, of people. And he said, he turned around and he said, your faith has made you well. Well, why? Because it's your faith that activates miracles. You want a miracle? Pray for God to raise your faith. This woman had the choice to let Jesus pass her by and stay in her prison, but she didn't. She followed Jesus and Jesus healed her in front of an entire crowd of people. She decided in that moment, in that moment, that she was no longer gonna allow her pain to be her prison. She was gonna allow her pain to be her platform. And Jesus got all the glory. And I wanna challenge you and ask, are you staying in your prison of anxiety because you've been in it for so long that it's all you know and you're comfortable with it? Stop settling for a life of comfortability. Stop settling for a life of complacency. You weren't called to it. You were called for greater things. God wants more for you. Anxiety is not this new intricate weapon against us. Adam and Eve felt panicked when they heard the Lord's voice call out to them when they were hidden in the garden. I imagine Noah felt anxiety as he worked and worked for years building this ark and every single passerby mocked and ridiculed him. When Ruth was grieving a loss, she became codependent on Naomi. What about Elijah? When Jezebel threatened his life, he actually ran out to the wilderness and then prayed for God to take his life. Joseph's brothers literally sold him into slavery. Jonah was so anxious from God with thoughts of inadequacy that he ran from God. He ran from God because he didn't think that he was enough. Jeremiah suffered loneliness and insecurity. What about David? whose thoughts and whose prayers give us a look into his fragile mind. I think of a teenage girl named Mary who was responsible for giving birth to the son of God. Martha, who was so obsessed with cleaning and making everything oh so perfect that she couldn't fully enjoy the company of Jesus who was sitting right at her table. I think of Peter who denied his best friend, his mentor, which is something he said he'd never do. What about Jesus? What about the night he went into the Garden of Gethsemane before the crucifixion? Well, it tells us in Matthew 26, it says, Jesus plunged into an agonizing sorrow. And then he said, this sorrow is crushing my life out. Jesus himself felt this. Those nights when I was laying on my bedroom floor, having panic attack after panic attack in the fetal position, feeling like I'm dying, fighting for my next breath, Jesus met me there and he wept with me. Jesus understood it because he endured it. 
Jesus fell on his face before his father when he cried out those words. So I promise you, there's no feeling, there's no emotion that we can have that Jesus doesn't understand. And I'm just gonna ask you to stand. And as we go into this last song, I really wanna encourage you to not let this moment pass you by. Just like that woman who wouldn't let Jesus pass her by without getting a touch, I pray that you don't either. Don't let fear hold you back from getting free. Don't let anxiety hold you back from getting peace. Don't let depression hold you back from getting a breakthrough. Y'all, the enemy wants to take your freedom. Well, in Jesus' name this morning, let's take it back. God so desperately wants to pour it out on you. He's not out to hide anything from you, but he needs you to come under what he's doing in this house. He wants to move in your life. He wants to heal, but he wants your yes first. God is a gentleman like that. He is kind and he is good and he brings us into the conversation. And you know where the conversation starts? Right here. Right here. And not necessarily this altar. There's an altar in your bedroom. There's an altar in your car. Anywhere you're alone with God. But if you need to come to this altar, I want to meet you here. If you want freedom, peace, deliverance right now, come to this altar as I close in prayer. Because just like this woman, it is your step of faith that activates a miracle. So let's pray. Father, we come to you as your chosen people. We humble ourselves as we give you all the glory. We get rid of the lies that say we're worthless that say we're anything less than what you've declared over us. We repent, God, and we break the chains of the enemy. We ask you to reveal what is true. God, what is the truth about us? God, we get in line and we come under what you say about us. That you're not mad at us, but you're mad about us that we are loved more than we could ever know or imagine, that you chose us, that we're not a mistake, but that we are your conscious decision, that you, the almighty, powerful God, that is above all of our thoughts, our ways, that you, God, decided on us. Father, position our hearts for peace, for deliverance, for healing, for freedom. We ask you to come. We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church podcast.